If you are visiting, I want to welcome you personally. My name's Jose. We are a group of people called Cypress Creek Church, a group of imperfect people that are doing our best trying to pursue Jesus Christ, the only perfect one. And we've been in a series called God is Love. The world says that love is a lot of different things, and we've been looking at this letter that the Apostle John, the disciple whom God loved, wrote to a group of people, probably in Ephesus we don't know, but there was some false teaching going on and there was not a lot of love going on. And so he writes these five chapters and today we're capping off the series. We're gonna look at chapter five and we've learned some things. Chapter one, we learned that God is light, that we are really good at shining a spotlight. If this was a flashlight, we are really good at shining the spotlight at other people's lives and saying, wrong, 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 miss, miss, miss. But that chapter challenged us to turn that inward and allow the light of God to expose any darkness. And we learned how to release and confess our sin to God, how to repent and turn away from that life of sin and receive God's love. Then chapter two, we looked at what the love of the world was and how chapter two teaches us not to love the world. That's sex, stuff, and success, the three things that the chapter touches on and how the love of God shows us that when we pursue God's love, this life is really satisfying and we can actually have those things, uh, those needs be met in our lives so that we can live life abundant down here. Chapter three was all about our walk matching our, or our talk, our walk matching our talk. So our faith is not just something that we say and, and know up here, but it's actually lived out by the way that we love others. And then last week, we talked about some spirits, the antichrist, fun stuff, everyday stuff, and how we're called to test those things. We're not supposed to just hear everything and just take it, but God's given us discernment and we get to test those things and then remember that as hard and as evil and as bad as those things may be, greater is he who is in us for he has overcome the world. And then we now get to love first as he first loved us, which leads us to chapter five. We're gonna read these verses. A lot of things stood out to me, one of which is how many times the word no, K-N-O-W, are, uh, are spoken in this chapter, written down in this chapter. And so I started looking at these and I came to six things that this chapter is going to teach us, that we need to know these six things. We're gonna look at those things. Now there's a difference between what we know the information that we know, the things that we study for and, and gain understanding and knowledge, maybe different experiences that teach us certain things we know to the know in here. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you just know something, like Aggies in the house, you knew that last night was gonna be a victorious game. If you were already asleep, God bless you. I stayed up a little too late watching it, but it was totally worth it because not an Aggie, I'm a Texas State Bobcat, but Bobcats, you just root for whatever other team is winning in, in Texas. That's, that's, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. It's sad. Maybe one day that'll change. But anyway, uh, I digress. So we know certain things. Maybe some of you, when you met your spouse or husband and your wife, you just knew when you saw them that they were going to be yours. Now, it's not only knowing, right? It's pursuing and acting upon that. So young people, if you ain't married... 
You can't just know, or you can't just even tell that person, gentleman, the, uh, tell that lady like, oh, I just know that you are my soulmate. No, you gotta pursue and prove by the way that you act and love her that you wanna make her yours, amen? All right, good, we gotta pursue, but that's not the message today. That's not the message today. But that knowing inside is different than the knowing up here, and then there's maybe that knowing when you walked in, you saw somebody, and you just knew that they're not doing well. You just knew that they needed encouragement today. That's this knowing that God's given us, this Holy Spirit discernment. It's this knowing that I truly believe that John wants to cap this book off with, these six things that we ought to know in here. Before we get going, let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word was written thousands of years ago and yet is still incredibly relevant today. I pray that it would speak to every life here, every circumstance. I pray, God, that we would leave here more in love with you and ready to love others as you have loved us. I thank you for this body, for this church. I thank you that your spirit is right here in our midst. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So there's this quote by this philosopher, you may have heard of him, Aristotle. And he talks about the knowing up here in this way, the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. I feel like that happens like sophomore year in college for most of us. When we realize, whoo, there's a lot that we don't know. Up until then, we're pretty proud. If you're in high school, I think you may be there. Like, you just know everything. I was certainly there. And then you realize, shoot, there's sure a lot of stuff that we don't know. And that can make you feel hopeless if you walk around just defeated of all the things that you don't know, or it can make you live in a hurry trying to figure out all of those things that you don't know so that you know things and that you're right. Well, that's not what we're after. We're after knowing Jesus. And after reading this chapter, I'm convinced that this is the summation of the things that John wants to teach us, that the more we know Jesus, the more we know love, and the more we then love. So the more we know Jesus, the more we know love, and the more we love. It's a, 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 a specific process. The more we get to know who Jesus Christ was in his ministry is according to what we have written down here, the more we actually know agape Love, godly love, different than the love of this world, different than Eros, different than Philadelphia. Eros is romantic love, Philadelphia is brotherly love. This is godly love where there's no agenda, there's no condition, it's free. And we know love because he first loved us. It's that kind of love. And then the more we're compelled to love. So I just gave you the whole message. If you wanna read the chapter with me, Feel free, we're gonna start in chapter five, verse one of 1 John. The author writes, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the, uh, that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. In John chapter three, the gospel of John, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus is saying, hey, we know that you're a teacher from God because you've done all these miracles and you teach well. But how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And what he means is you must be born spiritually again. You must be born again of 
spirit, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. We're called children of God, no matter what we've done or where we come from. It's a mysterious spiritual truth that we are born again. That's what he's getting at here. And then verse two, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So the first thing that we must know, this scripture teaches us that we need to know that loving people means loving God. Let me explain. There's no other relationship where this is most important than in marriage if you're married. Our culture teaches us that a husband is to complete the wife. I mean, or maybe the wife just talking about her husband says, you complete me. You are everything. Have you ever said that or been around someone who said that? It's popular. It sounds really, really good, but it's actually really dangerous because here's the truth. There's no way that one person can complete another. What this verse is teaching us is that I love my wife best when I first love God. When I bring my neediness to the Lord and I allow him to meet all of my insecurities, when I allow him to define who I am, when I allow him to erase all of the stuff that's blocking me, and then I come to my wife and I'm able to compliment her as she does the same thing in her relationship with Jesus. And it's the same with the church. The more that we love God, the better we are at loving others. So meaning, loving people means loving God. And then it goes on. It's almost like he's hyperlinking these things. So by this, we know that we love the children of God. How? Double click that when we love God. And so you double click on, on loving God. And for this, we, for this is the love of God. Uh, we keep his commandments. So loving God means obeying the father, just like a son or a daughter would obey mom or dad. That's uh, how we love. And then you double click on those commandments in this verse that's incredibly important. His commandments are not burdensome. Beautiful picture of God's love that is a holistic picture of how we are not only to love one another, but how we are also to love God and keep his commandments. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 11 says, hey, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you feel burdened, if you think that God's ways are, are burdensome and all that stuff, Jesus gives us the best invitation in the world. He says, come to me. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've said before, English was my second language. For the longest time, too long, I thought this yoke was an egg yoke, and I just didn't get it. I'm like, I mean, I, I guess eggs are important, and I just, I just glossed over it, you know? And then I realized yoke, like the mule carrying things to get work done type of yoke, and what Jesus is saying, hey, my yoke is easy because I already carry the burden of your sin to the cross, and I defeated it whenever I died, and then I gave you hope when I raised from the dead and given you everlasting life. That's why we have rest this side of heaven. And so the second thing is that we know that Jesus came to give us life. 
He came to give us life. Let's continue reading. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith is what gives us the victory. Like a tense college match when you're anxious whether your team is gonna win. In our walk with the Lord, we don't need to be tense because we know that there's no dualism reality here uh, on earth. He has already won. He's gonna come back, and he's gonna come back to judge, but he's already defeated death by dying on the cross. So that gives us hope as we have faith in him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for, what we want to see happen, and certain of what we cannot see. We need to know in here that Jesus came to give us life. Then uh, he goes on to talk about how Jesus came to give us life by uh, talking about the testimony of the incarnational ministry of Jesus. When he was 30, he came, or he came when he was born as a baby, Christmas, and then he started his ministry when he was baptized at 30 years old and uh, then died on the cross when he was 33 and ascended into heaven shortly thereafter. Verse 6 talks about that. He says, this is who he, Jesus, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. And I know I just lost like 95%. You're like, water, blood, Spirit? What is going on here? I mean, God is love, I got that. But what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about, again, the incarnational ministry of Jesus. Jesus was fully man, and fully God. And it was by water that Jesus's ministry started when he was baptized, and it was completed on the death uh, when he died, and then he rose again by the blood. So yesterday, we celebrated four baptisms out there, and there's nothing more exciting than celebrating new life down here. And one of the most beautiful pictures of baptism is when Jesus himself was baptized. The Spirit descended down, and the voice of the Father, the triune God, right then and there, all in one scene. And the Father speaks about the Son and says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. I don't know what's most life-giving to you, but when someone comes up to me and says, hey, I'm well pleased with you, not because of anything I've done, but because of who I am, that's pretty life-giving. That's what our Father, our Heavenly Father, says to each one of us this morning. I hope that that brings you life. In uh, verse 11, I'm skipping down a few. It, he concludes this testimony, and this is the testimony, verse 11, that God gave us eternal life, and this is life in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So that is the second thing we gotta know, that Jesus came to bring us life. The third, we need to know that Jesus desires to be close. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests and have, that we have asked of him. He's speaking to our prayer life, this way of communicating with the Lord that is beautiful and personal and intimate, our prayer life with 
Jesus. Paul Miller wrote a book about prayer called A Praying Life. I absolutely uh, recommend this read. And I want to read some things that he writes because he calls out the opposite of prayer, which he calls cynicism. Think about it. When something goes wrong, when you see something that's not right, do you naturally turn towards prayer? Or do you tend to be cynical and then just allow that cynicism to grow and our shell, our heart to to be shelled with hardness and and bitterness? And Paul here calls out, Paul Miller uh, calls out that prayer keeps our hearts tender and soft. Let me read this excerpt. He says, to be cynical is to be distant while offering a false intimacy of being in the know Cynicism actually destroys intimacy. It leads to a creeping bitterness that can deaden and even destroy the spirit. A praying life is just the opposite. It engaged evil. It doesn't take no for an answer. The psalmist was in God's face, hoping, dreaming, asking. Prayer is feisty. Cynicism, on the other hand, merely critiques. It is passive cocooning itself from the passions of the great cosmic battle we are engaged in. It is without hope. Prayer is asking God to incarnate, to get dirty in your life. Yes, the eternal God scrubs floors. For sure we knew he washes feet. So take Jesus at his word. Ask him. Tell him what you want. Get dirty. Write out your prayer requests. Don't mindlessly drift through life on the American narcotic of busyness. If you try to seize the day, the day will eventually break you. Seize the corner of his garment. And don't let go until he blesses you. He will reshape the day. I think you know why I I read that straight from the book. When we pray, we recognize that God is near. He's not far away. He's not testing us. He is near and he is asking us to turn and to come to him. Many of us I know are are dealing with hard circumstances in life right now, like today. You walked in here knowing that there are difficult things that you are going through. And I want to encourage you to turn to him in prayer and maybe ask somebody else to pray for you this morning in our community group. We were tremendously blessed that someone did that. And we got to see in our group me person after person just saying, praying for you, praying. We're not stopping. We're praying for you. We're praying for you because sometimes we feel hopeless and truly the best thing that we can do is say, Lord, we're not near, but we know that you are. So we're calling upon you to help. That's what Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. We got to know that Jesus is close. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother, now we're going to talk about praying for others who are in sin. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that 
All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So this is John going circular again, and it's important that we zoom in and, and see what he's talking about, because if you're like me, I'm reading, I'm like, I want to know what this sin is that leads to death, because I don't want to be doing that. And this other sin doesn't seem that bad, so I guess that's, that one's okay. That's just what I read the first one through. Well, let's talk about this, because it's important. Earlier in 1 John, we read in 1 John 3, 9, that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. He's speaking to a life of sin. He's talking about habitual sin. James talks about that lifestyle of sin that leads us to death. If we are in Christ, we've already said no to that because we've said yes to the punishment of those sins via the blood of Christ. And so when we come to know Jesus and we see someone that is in a sin, Again, we can choose cynicism, we can choose judgment, or we can choose prayer. And we can say, Lord, help me help them, or Lord, just help them, I lift them up. I don't know what their reasoning is for turning to these things, but I just lift them up to you, God, and you watch God do a mighty work in their life. Why? Because this verse is true. This sin that leads to death is when we do not say yes to Jesus. John 3, 17 says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. That's what our sin does. Our sin condemns. Jesus came to save us from that very consequence of sin, the eternal consequence. We still have to deal with some of the temporary consequences that our sins sometimes uh, require. But he's talking about the eternal sin uh, or the eternal punishment of death. When we're in Jesus, that is wiped away. Verse 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. There it is. But he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch them. So the fourth thing that this, these scriptures are teaching us is that we need to know that Jesus changes everything. When we're in Jesus he changes and transforms our mind. He changes the desires of our heart. It's gradual. It can also be instantaneous, but he changes everything. We cannot go on living the same when we encounter the agape love of God. So he's saying, those who've been born of God, stop sinning and start living differently. And God protects him and her, and the evil one cannot touch him. Why? Because he who is in us is greater. Paul warns us what to do when temptation comes our way. First Corinthians 10, 13 says that there is no temptation. Let me read that again. There is no temptation that has overtaken you that is not common to man. Key phrase here, God is faithful. Circle it, underline it highlight it. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. So when temptation comes our way, we have the choice. Lord, do we trust that you are faithful? Lord, do we see that way of escape? And am I going to choose that? And the answer is, well, it's up to you. It's up to me every time. And I would say, let's do it because when we know Jesus, he changes everything. Fifth thing we know, final two, is that we are exiles in this world. Verse 19 says, we know that we are from God. 
and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We touched on this last week, that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, that there is this world or pattern in the world that does not want to follow Jesus, that there is this devil that is scheming against all of the saints, and then there is our own flesh that is coming against us. We, my friends, are just exiles, and we're called to be in the world. We're not just called to be set apart and build up walls in a monastery and hang out and sing kumbaya. No, we're called to infiltrate this world with the mighty and radical love of Jesus as we pursue those who are convinced that this is it, which leads us to, ver- to number six. We need to know that Jesus is truly personal. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, understanding of the five previous points, so that we may actually know the true God, and we are in him. If you're married, you started dating at some point, or maybe you went radical and just straight off bat said, hey, marry me. Hope that went well if you went that route. (laughs) When you change your status from single to in a relationship, this verse teaches us that we are in Christ. We're in a relationship with Jesus. That means that we can know all about him but we can actually miss out on knowing him and being in this actual relationship with the living God. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We talk about a warning. That's a warning to just not know, not knowing about God. It's about knowing him. It's about walking alongside. It's about wherever you are in relationship with him, whether you just started today following Jesus or you've been following Jesus for 60 plus years we can approach him in confidence, knowing that he loves and knows you better than anyone this side of heaven. Worship team, you can come back up. Verse 21 is challenging to me because all of these are like, go, go, go. And then verse 21, it's like he made a U-turn of some sort. He forgot something. The typewriter, you know, he couldn't do whiteout. And so he pressed enter and said, oh, by the way, little children, Keep yourself from idols. I'm sorry if that seems weird, but that's how my mind thinks. And so as I was thinking about this verse, I thought about Taylor's grandpa, Pops, who after every gathering never misses, says two things. Drive slow and be careful every time. Drive slow and be careful. You must know that I speed. And... He also really knows us and loves us. And John was in the third quarter, fourth quarter of his life when he wrote this. 
And that's him showing agape love to these believers, to us, little children. I love you and I care for you. I'm modeling God's love. And I'm saying, hey, keep yourselves from idols. Anything that calls itself God that is not Jesus. Anything that is asking for your attention and your affection and, and, and resources that does not build up the kingdom of God. Watch out. Instead, focus on Jesus. Get to know Jesus more. And that's how I sum up all of this. What does all of this mean? Is that the more we know Jesus, the more we know true love, the more we actually know love, and then the more we love. So let's get to know Jesus more, my friends. Whatever that means for you today. And I hope and pray that today you draw nearer to him as we go from this place. Let's pray together.